This is former TNA World Champion Raven, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Quote the Raven, nevermore. And don't cross the line. Or do cross the line. I'm not really sure if you're supposed to, you're not supposed to. I don't know. Eh, whatever. You get it. TNA Wrestling. Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 193 of the TNA Crossline Podcast. I am Bob Nellian Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, we are just a mere two weeks away from Bound for Glory 2005, where Kevin Nash looks to make a name for himself, finally in professional wrestling, when he challenges the NWA world champion, Jeff Jarrett. He's to make a name for him. I almost Bound just... For Glory. I almost just spit out water. I wasn't even drinking. Yeah, well. He's bound for glory. And in order to do that, he needs to win the NWA world title. Yeah, I mean, he, has, he hasn't he has had a shot at Jeff Jarrett before. <clears throat> right. No, we're completely ignoring um, anything before October 1st, 2005. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically how it has to be. Um. There's a lot, actually, we already know about this Bound for Glory show, and it's looking pretty freaking good, dude. We got that Monsters Ball match that was announced. Yeah. Between Abyss, Sabu, uh, Jeff Hardy, and Rhino, right? Yep. Is that, yeah. is that correct? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we have the 30-minute Iron Man match between Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles. Another rematch. <laughs> Well, you know, back to that Monsters Ball thing. I'm surprised, like, Raven isn't in that. That's a really good point. And I guess Raven doesn't seem to really have a spot right now. I mean, all we've seen on this new era of impact here on Spike is Raven be taken out of a building in handcuffs after attacking a bunch of people. So what does that actually mean for him, for Bound for Glory? Yeah, just some disco yelling at him. Get out of here. I feel like after he kind of got screwed on a uh, indie show for the title, they probably should have figured out how to put him into that match in some way, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that would make... A three-way if you really need Kevin Nash in there or something? That'd be kind of unique. I don't know. But I guess yeah, I'm not a booker, that, so what do I know? That would be logical. Well, I mean, you you have been a booker before. No. Um, America's Most Wanted, uh, well, which we're going to talk about a little bit here in a few minutes... Um, what do you mean? Wait, what do you mean? No, it's, I'm not like it's not real. <laughs> it's not yes, real. It is. I did win. I mean, my, well, my team won the Monday Night Wars fantasy booking against the other team, and you were the judge. So I don't, I don't think that was right. We just lost one week because you thought that D'Lo Brown winning the WWF title was a good idea. <clears throat> well, it was. It's fucking absolutely not. It was unique for 1997. Doesn't mean it was good. Yes, it does. No. You guys you guys lost me when uh, Hulk Hogan took a middle rope fallaway slam. 
Everyone tag us on Twitter at Cross the Line TNA. Will would Hulk Hogan have taken a middle rope followways land by Scott Hall? Just write yes or no and tweet us yes or no. It's not happening. I don't even know if Jeff Hardy would take that bump. Yes, he would. It's like nothing. It's literally a nothing bump. <laughs> For Hulk Hogan? For Hulk Hogan, even in 97. Okay. Anyways, Impact <clears throat> has been on a roll. On Spike TV already. We're on week. T- this is our third episode on Spike. It's the 67th edition of Impact. Um, if oh, you're wow. following along, re- just recently they crossed our 1,000th 1,000th episode. So we and are that, just dipping our toes into the Impact water. That's so crazy that they have so much more. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, a never-ending, essentially. Not to say it's bad, but... It's no. Well, and to think that the fact that they... What, for two two years, didn't even have... They were doing shows, but not, like, TV shows. So they still had... I mean, we, obviously, we watched all those weekly shows, but... It's pretty crazy. Pretty oh, crazy. Yeah. Um, let's, let's do a quick rundown of what happened last week at Impact, and then we'll talk about some highlight uh, points here. Uh, from Dave Meltzer, and then we will talk about a lot of other fun stuff. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff. So let's get into it. Um, on the October 8th, 2005 edition of Impact, we first saw three live crew, that's right, all three members working together in unison, defeat Team Canada's A1 Bobby Roode and Eric Young in four minutes and 20 seconds. Then we saw Christopher Daniels defeat Austin Aries and Matt Bentley, in 5 minutes 42 seconds, Abyss defeating Sonny Siaki in a minute 47 seconds, and as we noted, he very much looked like the the rock but light version. Yeah. It was very weird. And then in the main event, in their Impact debut, Team 3D and America's Most Wanted squared off, and Team 3D won, but it was by disqualification. In eight minutes and 30 seconds. And then, of course, as we are going to talk more in depth about right now, they got their ass kind of handed to them <laughs> after, the, after that. So it was pretty wild. And that's because they can't make Final for Glory. Oh, great. Dallas got a little drinky drink. I always do. Um, I need it. How am I going to stay up with you, dude? You. You need your sugar. I got mine right here. It's called coffee. In a Buffalo Wild Wings cup. I did not take this. I'm just saying. My sister did. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So as Bob said, obviously, um, they cannot be about for glory. But another thing that happened during the show that was a pretty big deal is the Tito Ortiz came out to the ring and cut a promo, and it was Bob said it was pretty good. He's pretty good on the mic. No, not not in a wrestling ring. Uh, no, it was pretty not, bad. No, nah, it was pretty bad. Um, and so I, basically, I think his only good promos are when he was going to beat up Ken Shamrock. Oh, well, he probably really meant it. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Tito Ortiz, he, he came out. Because um, he's refereeing the Jeff Jarrett versus Kevin Nash match, which you may have already said. I cannot remember. No, we did not say that. But it's also remember the first time he's ever being a special referee in TNA. 
they haven't actually said it like that, but that's how they're acting. <laughs> Definitely saying, oh my God, Tito Ortiz is here. Because like, we just saw him in May. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, he's refereeing that match. Uh, he came out and said that if Jarrett or Nash don't respect him, that he'll break both of them down with punishments. And now that was a very important line because as Dave notes, his team and clothing wear company both have punishment in the name. So it was kind of like a subtle product placement uh, thing. God. Um, punishment? Yeah, I know. Uh, which his shirt said. I mean, that's his clothing company, I guess. Uh, Jared eventually came out and said that uh, he wouldn't do it now. But if Ortiz got in his way, he'd beat Ortiz uh, up on the pay-per-view. Nash came out. They both fought a little bit. Ortiz ended up putting Kevin Nash in the chokehold, which is pretty wild, uh, and then went to put a chokehold on Jarrett, and security broke it up before he really got to touch him, and he kind of just shoved him out of the way. Yeah, we were shocked, though, by the choke on Nash. I Dude, I still am like, I can't believe he did that to Kevin Nash, of all, which I think is going to speak volumes to what's going to happen at the show. I feel like we're definitely going to see him somehow align with Jarrett. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Which makes no sense, but... No, it does not. But when Jared says, if you get in my way, like, you know, I'll beat you up forever. I mean, he already got knocked out at Hard Justice. Why wouldn't he just reference, like, you got me once, you're not going to get me again, Tito? Right. Like, actually play into it. I don't know. I feel like they have to as well, but here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, also backstage at the show, um, I just lost my where I was. Uh, Daniels issued a challenge to Styles um, for the show that we're about to watch today, telling Styles that he should come up with any three X Division wrestlers and that he's going to beat them all in 15 minutes. So on tonight's show, we are going to see some sort of gauntlet with Christopher Daniels against three X Division stars chosen by AJ Styles. So that should be interesting. And that is, of course kind of leading up into the their Iron Man match. Right. Um, now, as far as that AMW versus Team 3D match, um, the one of the bigger parts that came out of this, of course, is the debut of none other than Gal Kim. Oh, right. It was, um, she did make her debut. She ran in and gave uh, Brother Ray a low blow. Um, AMW laid out both members of Team 3D with death sentences. Uh, Jarrett was involved in this whole beatdown, cracking Brother Ray with a guitar shot, Devon with a chair shot, and then the show ended. Now, this angle was, of course, to injure Team 3D, since, as Bob mentioned, and, as we're about to see, the next two sets of tapings, they have come in and saw Japan. Now, what that means is the show we're watching today, next week, and two shows after Bound for Glory, we will not be seeing Team 3D. So they're going to be out for quite some time. So that's that's four weeks of... Four weeks total of TV. That's a pretty big deal for a team that you just made had make their debut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder if we'll get, like, um, a promo from Japan. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I hope they do do that, actually. Now, this is a very interesting note about that whole situation with the beatdown, is that apparently this was the angle that Mick Foley was going to be involved in if he had signed, most likely. And the debut was missing that uh, big surprise appearance. As Dave notes, that clearly Sting had no interest, 
Um, the timing was awful for Bret Hart to appear in TNA, and they haven't even contacted Brock Lesnar or Chris Jericho, who seemingly made it clear that he wouldn't even consider it. Um, so basically, everyone who you thought could have potentially, maybe potentially made their debut and made the save for Team 3D did not. <laughs> um, and uh, he, he basically... So yeah. Foley was supposed to come out and make the save for the beatdown? Essentially, yeah. Or Jericho or Lesnar? It says, he does say Lesnar if he's able. Everyone else seemingly was on the table. Sting, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, Mick Foley. Except I'm Jericho said he didn't I, want to, but. Right, right. I'm, I'm shocked that Sting did not appear. The, the Sting thing is weird to me, but. That blows my mind. I mean, like he's he's wrestled in TNA. He wrestled at the asylum, right? And now you're on national television in the Velocity spot. And he doesn't. He has no interest in doing it, or he's not interested in doing it. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and another another quick note because this is all kind of old stuff. Wrapping up what he talked about. Um, in his initial report of this taping, but uh, Samoa Joe was not wrestling. Um, He says on the first two tapings, I don't know if that means the first two television shows or not, but he, we might not see him here. Um, And basically they're just going to be doing some videos and stuff to uh, make his debut mean something several weeks down the line and really hype up Samoa Joe on Spike TV. Okay. His debut on Spike. Yes. Because again, the, if they're like, look at this guy, you know, he hasn't been here. Correct. That's, uh, That's now, correct. you know, before we continue, now you had mentioned, like, they were saying, oh, our viewership is going to go super, like, way higher. It went from like two or 300,000 to, like, what, 800,000? 800, 800,000, yeah. I'm still not convinced that that additional. 500,000 people don't know or didn't know what TNA was. I agree with that. Because on, at a sat- on a Saturday at 11, you you most likely know what you're tuning into. Right. You would think so, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some fans that maybe did not know or never had seen it. Maybe they knew about it. They've never seen it. I think that's probably more the case. Yeah. But... I'm not convinced that these people are not actively like aware of like, like what TNA is. Right. It's a. Uh, it's very interesting. We're going to talk about a couple um, uh, ratings and stuff like that in just a minute. But I do have a couple quick other notes that he mentions that I thought were interesting about the last episode that we just watched. Um, and I, like I said, I think a lot of this stuff is going to start to not be as in-depth as it is here um, as we kind of move on. But since it's the first spike taping, he really kind of went into it. But um, he notes that early in the show, they had the crowd noise turned up so much for the three Life Crew Team Canada match that you couldn't hear the commentary or um, Scott Demore promo that he got. <laughs> Which I don't I don't know if I really noticed or not, to be honest, but... I don't think I did either. Um, and of course, uh, we saw Conan um, throw his shoe at Eric Young when he was crashed on the top rope. Um, he missed. He then threw another one, uh, and he nailed him with that. And then he threw another shoe at Bobby Roode, 
And, but Dave says that he just doesn't know how he got three shoes. <laughs> so I don't know if he picked one back up really quick and we didn't notice that or something, but I thought that was kind of funny. I'm I'm sure that he got the shoe that he missed with back. It had to have been, right? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, so that Tito Ortiz interview that Bob really liked, apparently they edited the hell out of it. It was very oh, I'm sure they did. Um, he says that we heard it wasn't very good, but in edited form, he was fine. Which is very generous for him to say. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Dude, you could tell that guy who did not know what to say. Yeah. And even he says that the the angle with Jarrett Nash didn't come across as good as it sounded on paper. Yeah. No, Which the choke out thing, I disagree. I actually think it was pretty good. But no, just yeah, the, I didn't the, expect that. Yeah. The physical part was fine. Yeah. The verbal part was like not good. Uh, he notes that that Team 3D angle where they were beaten down worked really well because of the copious amounts of blood pouring out of both men's head um, that was shown with TV close-ups, which, as we are very well aware now, Spike doesn't care about blood, um, yeah. unlike FSN. Um, he said it still felt a little rushed to get it all in during the show, but he said, not sure about Gail Kim. Um, but he he does say that it was a mistake for WWE to cut her Um because she probably would have wound up as a good wrestler in their mix. Um, here, it's a little early, but she still lacks charisma needed for that spot. Uh, part of the problem is that her back was turned to the camera during much of the angle. That's true. Which is very true, because you saw the back of her head the whole time. Um, which was not how it was supposed to be, but it wasn't her fault, because Brother Ray had apparently had his back at the camera when he was waiting for the low blow. So, that's kind of what happened there. So, it was not her fault. Yeah, because like when she first went in i wasn't even sure who it was i wasn't at first either it was like who the heck who the heck is this person oh it's fucking gail again yeah um okay on to some numbers and there is some really interesting stuff in here so uh first off the tna replay on october 10th did a 0.54 rating which is still less than half of its ultimate fighter lead-in uh then he notes that tna impact on october 8th for its Second show, which is, of course, the the not the replay. It's the one we just watched. Um, got what I'd call pretty good news. He says doing a 0.82 rating, which is about 994,000 viewers. It also beat out the 10 p.m. replay of Ultimate Fighter. And he says that he believes that this would be the first time on a Saturday night that a wrestling show has beaten a UFC show. As UFC reruns always beat first run velocity. Wow. So that is a pretty interesting uh, little tidbit there. Uh, yeah, but also, again, context here. Okay, The TNA name power of wrestlers are far superior than that of what was on Velocity. Correct. <laughs> uh, he says, well, yeah, it is. Uh, while the rating itself was almost identical to last week, the number of viewers per home was 1.21 last week. And 1.34 this week. So viewership was up 16.9% off the first week, which is a very substantial and promising. So that's pretty good. Uh, it was up 21% among males 18 to 49 and 23% among males 18 to 34. Even though it was in a late time slot, the audience grew every quarter hour. So again, it grew every quarter hour. It's pretty interesting. And I think this is probably the most interesting part of this. The uh, Team 3D versus AMW match was viewed by 1.12 million viewers, or about one-fourth of the audience that generally watches Raw. So in comparison, it's obviously not 
raw numbers, but pretty interesting that that many people one, watched it. One fourth, about one fourth of the audience well, like, that watches Raw. Why can't he just say twenty five percent? I don't know. There's one. You know why? Because one fourth sounds like it's way more than twenty five percent. Yeah, yeah. He does say, considering the time slot and Raw versus Impact, those numbers are a tremendous sign. Total viewership this week was up 56.5% of what WWE was doing with Velocity in the same time slot in its final four episodes, which, as Bob has already noted, probably wasn't that great. <laughs> right. No, I mean, these numbers sound very good for TNA. The, the fact that that main event was watched by 1.12 million people is kind of crazy to me when we were potentially getting 2,000 pay-per-view buys two years ago. On a, on a good week. On a good week. <laughs> Like that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah, it's not. At least it's not as bad as the OVW buy rate of oh, we need at least five hundred and we got seventy four. Uh, I gotta watch an episode of that tonight. I'm loving it. Yeah, it's <laughs> just so it's just crazy. So good. Highly recommend. Um, okay, so on the October third replay uh, number. Uh, so we're a little bit more numbers. I think this is our last number bit, but anyways, uh, even though it was only a 0.52 rating, the company was happy when hearing it did a 1.25 in the male 18 to 34 demo. Of course, much of what uh, was much of what was because of the Ultimate Fighter doing a 2.8 in the same demo leading in. So that's sometimes how that works, you know. Um, and an interesting one, this is, I think, the last thing about the debut show, so two weeks ago. He does note that, in all, there had to be apparently six minutes cut out of that show in post, um, which we talked a little bit about last week. Um, he says both because of the content concern that was in place, which is the Team 3D promo with the middle fingers and all that we talked about, mm. and simply because the show went long. Um, and he notes again the three-way from the first show had three minutes cut out, and it suffered due to that which is why the show came across too crammed. So remember, he, he was very critical about everything being jammed into it. And, well, you know why, because shit had to get cut from it anyways. Yeah, he was already saying that they should have two one-hour shows. Yes. I would just do one two-hour show. Mm-hmm. Just not at 11 o'clock. Right. Uh, next up here, this one's not about TV anymore. Uh, Bob is going to probably tell us all about this tour and upcoming indie notes, but I wanted to give a little um, uh, preview of that. Apparently, lots of talent went to Australia this past week for the International Assault Tour, such as Frankie Kazarian, Test, Samoa Joe, Nathan Jones, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Nidia, Gal Kim, Team 3D. I don't even know how to say this person's name, so I'm going to skip it. Rhino and Jeff Jarrett. Uh, they were all the head and Rhino and Jeff Jarrett were the headliners. Um, Mick Foley was the biggest star scheduled, but after making all those arrangements uh, to make sure that he was on the first show and still did Raw, having him go on the on first and rushing to the airport, which at least was the idea. Well, he just ended up not going because he had to be at Raw, which that Raw thing affects. Obviously, we did. Now he writes pretty in depth thing about this. I'm not reading the whole thing. It doesn't necessarily all apply to us. Uh, but a couple little tidbits here. Uh, Jeremy Borash was there filming all three events for three DVDs that they are marketing. And he's also producing the DVDs. And footage from the tour will air on TNA's international segment on Spike that starts in a few weeks. So I'm assuming that's going to be an explosion segment of some kind. Um, and there was a bunch of different... 
I thought they were. Weren't they going to show stuff on Impact about like international? I'm sure. I feel like they'll show a little bit on Impact, but I do feel like it might be more for this other show or explosion or something. Now, Rhino and Jared are headlining. Is it against each other? Uh, Let's see. I did not pull every match from this. Um, So that I cannot confirm. I will uh, keep skimming and I will let you know if I see that. Because I I think we're going to talk a lot about this tour because it goes like three or four days. Okay, because if it was against each other, I don't think they'd show that on TV because that doesn't make sense to. Yes, it does look like storyline. It does look like they did fight each other on the third show, second show. Because they have a show on 10-5. They have, do they have a 10-6? That's what I can't seem to find. Then there's a 10-7. So they were the main event on the 10-7 show. And then there's another show on 10-8. They were like loosely aligned though. So it's pretty cool. Um, and, but I don't think they would show that on Impact. They they might not show that. But regardless, um, they drew pretty good. But like I said, I, I'm not going to uh, talk too too much about this just because there's just quite a bit here. Um, the, the Dudleys did lead a TNA chant, even though TNA has no TV there and almost nobody even knew about them. <sighs> uh, Dave notes that the crowd is a very smart crowd. Because um, casual fans simply won't attend if it's not a WWE show. Uh, because when you have everyone popping like crazy for Samoa Joe, he says, I mean, that's great, but it also speaks volume over who you're not getting to come out to see people who have had years of major TV. So people were going crazy for Samoa Joe, but not necessarily for people like Test. Stuff like that. So that's how you can kind of tell it was a smarter fan base. Right. Right. Uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, and there's some very... Like I said, you're, we're going to talk a lot about these matches, I'm sure. So when you hear weird matches like Gal Kim and AJ Styles going against Christopher Daniels and Nydia, you'll remember what tour it's from because it's some weird stuff. That's, um, that's, that's, yeah, that sounds very yeah. Right. Uh, now, according to those in Australia, the Dudleys received $8,000 apiece for the three shows. Uh, lots of wrestlers were making fun of Borash because they thought he was too blatant with his kissing Jeff Jeff's ass, like Jeff Jarrett. Uh, people also laughing at the quirks of Nathan Jones. The tour was a major money loser, but the promotion expected that um, they were essentially trying to use this tour to try and develop a promotion. So this is not a TNA tour. So let's keep that in mind. This is like one of those, like they got a money guy to bring all the people over to try to get a show going. It's kind of like a WWA thing. I feel like. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, it was said to be very cl- uh, cliche uh, or sorry, clickish. Sorry, not cliche. In that the TNA guys stuck together, as did the Australian guys and the XWWE guys who aren't in TNA were all in their own groups. <laughs> um, apparently, WWE wrote a threatening letter to the promoter, telling him that they wouldn't allow him to use either Foley or I believe it says Gibbs. Oh, um, it's um, it's Jamie Noble. That's the Gibson we're speaking of here. So pretty interesting all around. So that must mean that Gibson has signed back to the At this right? point, it, it must be, yeah. yeah. Okay, I got two more for you. And one of them, I think, is going to make you be like, what in the world are we talking about? Uh, and then we'll have we'll have a couple for the show as well. So it's we're just full of fun here on today's episode. 
Uh, Spike TV officials were thrilled, as were people in the company, as most, but not all people, expected the week two ratings to be down from week one because of far less promotion. Now, Spike is wanting more TNA programming. Uh, the two shows a week may come sooner than later, and there will probably be a Monday night primetime special within a few months. Oh. Spike is also talking about doing highlight shows to cultivate the library. Uh, TNA needs to avoid the mistake UFC has made in churning out programming and thus diluting the idea of being on television. They should do as much programming as they can handle uh, being compelling, but no more. Dave says, realistically, a 60-minute show isn't long enough, but with a mainly wrestling product, two hours may be too long. So 90 minutes may be the optimum length. Which would be very interesting, wouldn't it? A 90-minute wrestling show? You know... Yeah, I mean, realistically, okay, mo like two hour wrestling shows, in terms of like actual content, like if you go on the WWE Network or whatever, and you put on a two hour RAW, it is like an hour and twenty. Uh huh. With all the commercials and whatever. Right. So, if you do an hour and a half, you're probably getting like what? So you're probably getting about just over an hour. Just an hour, right? Like, uh, yeah, like probably just over an actual like full hour. That's what I'm kind of thinking, yeah. Yeah. I think I would just go to two hours. I mean, yeah, you might as well at that point. Okay, our final note, Bob. This one kind of was making my head spin when I read it. Good. On October 7th in Springfield, Tennessee, on an independent show, the NWA tag team titles were held up. What? Yeah. Um, like the Naturals belt? Yeah. So, <laughs> it's pretty freaking weird, dude. Because, like, they're an NWA title, but they're on TNA Wrestling. Anyways. So, champs Chase Steven and Douglas wrestled Cassidy Riley and Eric Young. Riley, oh, hits, okay. yeah, Riley hit Stevens with one of the tag belts and got the pin. The NWA Championship Committee was there and ruled that the title was held up pending the match... The next night in Nashville. So on the NWA's 57th convention show on October 8th, so the day after, in Nashville, the Nationals regained the tag team titles, beating Riley and Young in 18 minutes, 28 seconds. Uh, and apparently, believe it or not, Bob, this was the 20th match on the show, which was <laughs> a street fight where they brought all over the building. Uh, and 20th match? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Uh, apparently, Eric Young also accidentally knocked out Cassidy Riley during this. Um, I think this was the... Uh, and then Steven super kicked Young out of the ring and pinned Riley. So it was a work knockout. I read it wrong. But regardless, it was announced from an NWA perspective that there would be no new president or vice president during this and only a board of directors as well. So they're like all sorts of doing some weird shit at this NWA thing. Also, um, they announced there should be no more NWA convention shows. And at the show, Bill Barons was there, uh, which seems to finalize that he's officially no longer involved with WWE. Now, I don't know if he ever gets involved again with TNA, but um, apparently also from TNA, Abyss was there, which I'm sure you'll talk about at some point. And he was managed by none other than Tim Welch, as opposed to Jim Mitchell. So they've, they're really flipping the script on us on this NWA show. Okay, a couple of things here. I think it's hilarious <laughs> that the TNA board of directors was at the show. 
or committee. And, championship committee. No, it's the NWA, dude. The NWA. NWA. Yeah. Do you think that they'll? <laughs> do you think they'll address the title change? There's no <laughs> way, dude. There's no way. Cassidy Riley and Eric Young technically won. Well, I mean, I guess it held up, but you know, they they pinned they pinned them. No, I did not look that. I did not look it up. I don't know if this counts as like another championship reign for them or not. If they were held up and then they regain it, that means they got them back, right? That means they're. I would, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I would consider that a separate reign, even though I mean, they well, they didn't. They held it up. Right. Yeah, and even he writes they regain it. Yeah, so if it's a if the title is held up, that's essentially vacated, and then you win it again. So that's a different reign. I'm looking. Oh, right. but see, this is interesting though. So on cage match. Yeah. So on October seventh, he went to a no contest. Oh, but wait a second. Yeah, dude. It says title change. So on October 8th, it does say title change. Yeah, because it's a vacated ballot that you're winning. So yeah, they had to have gotten another rain out of that. <laughs> I can't believe that that was the 20th match on the card. And that's not even the main event. No. Um, I can go back. Hold on. Just for fun. Since we're talking about it. How long of a show is The 57th. Holy sh... I've just never seen such a long card in my life. Um, I don't know half of these names, but... Oh, this... Okay, no, this was the main event. So this was the 20th match. Oh, okay. Thank God. I'm scrolling, dude. I don't know none of these names. Oh, there's Apollo. Is that the same Apollo that we see? No, it is not. Okay. Oh, you know what? Speak. So, like, this is an interesting thing. <gasps> Fergal Devitt. Hold on a second. I know him. Yeah. Whoa. That's right. He uh he won the NWA British Commonwealth title on this show. What in the world? Who did he defeat for? Drew Onyx. Uh, in Abyss fought Chris Michaels to a no contest. Oh, Chris Michaels. I like Chris Michaels. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know uh, anyone on this, so that's fun. Well, so you were saying like that is not the same Apollo. You know, how many wrestlers in general, but we'll just say for TNA, two wrestlers having the same name, but Far too often. years years apart. And my example is Trinity. Dude, Trinity blows my mind. It's like. I don't know. It's just so in. She's also in an impact now. So it's just like, what I'm saying, dude. So it's like you, we have Trinity from this era, and then you, and I always see like, oh, Trinity. Now obviously it's Trinity Fatu, right? No, she's just just Trinity. I think she just goes by Trinity. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So anytime I see like Trinity defending Nagashi, I'm like, oh my god, she's back. She's back, and it's like, oh fuck, it's not. I see. This is a quick side tangent on the. 1000th episode it kind of blew my mind we're like hyping up all the the female talent the knockouts and i did not see one mention of trinity 
it's fucked up. Because, listen, Tracy Brooks deserves all the credit she gets. I think Tracy Brooks is great. But Trinity was there first, was she not? Oh, yeah. So, I'm just saying. Yeah. She was I like I like both. Divine and... Storm, whatever. Chris Divine and Quiet Storm. Holy crap. We're, we're at a much better time now, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, anyways, uh, that is all I got. We can get into this episode impact, and we have a little bit more to talk about. So, and hopefully, you know, some of, some of it's some weird like indie stuff that happened on shows, but we'll have some stuff to talk about. Oh, that's my favorite stuff. The weird stuff on the indies. Can't get enough of that. Um. Okay. Let's let's get into the October fifteenth, two thousand five edition of TNA Impact. The approximate runtime is 41.50. That's 41 minutes and 50 seconds. If you want to watch along with us, head over to Impact Plus, or maybe it's in your own personal collection. I'm going to count down from three, and when I say play, that's when you want to hit that good old play button and watch along with us. So here we go. Three, two, one. This is TNA. Well, Bob, as this is kicking us off, and I'm sure we're going to start with a highlight package of seeing Gail Kim. Look at this. And she's about to get beat up. And then Jarrett. And here's the beatdown of Team 3D. Um, the October 11th, 2005 edition of Explosion was taped before this show was. Uh, we saw Apollo and Sonny Siaki defeat the Diamonds in the Rough, which in this case was David Young and Elix Skipper. Yeah. And Simon Diamond was, of course, Rinsay. Enough is enough, Jarrett. Speaking of Team 3D, I don't know when we're going to see a video of him again on the show, but there's going to be a hardcore homecoming show on November 5th in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena, uh, built around Team 3D returning to the ECW Arena. Um, Dave notes that it might be the final show as we've heard no talk whatsoever regarding the originally planned Tampa and Fort Lauderdale shows in November. Huh. That's interesting. That is Fort Lauderdale. I, I would have thought they would definitely do that because ECW did pretty well in Fort Lauderdale. I okay, am I crazy or is that intro slightly different than it just was the last two weeks? Like, the logo at the end looked a little different to me. Am I going nuts? I, I'm not very observant, so... They very well could have been different. Did they show, like... Oh, look, this is different. Dude, the logo's got more yellow. The logo's got more yellow at yeah, the bottom, dude. it definitely has more. So, Rhino versus Sabu tonight. We have the Iron Man Challenge, which is that gauntlet. Okay, so I was right about the intro, dude. Yeah, you're definitely right. And now we're going right into a freaking match here. Monty Brown's coming out. I got to turn this up. There's, like, too much stuff going on. Um, but did you remember seeing, like, the Monty Brown screaming in blue in, like, the intro before? Because he was blue, and then we saw some people in yellow. AJ Styles flew in the screen, on, and he was blue. I don't know. It's not a big deal. I'm just surprised that they switched something. We got a handicap match. Mikey Batts and Jarrell Clark are teaming up to take on Monty Brown. 
I like that they showed them in like the shadows as Monty Brown's coming out. Oh, that's probably why they just showed him because Mikey Batch just launched himself off the back of Jarrell Clark and tried to get the alpha male, but he was caught and slammed against the post, and that was neat. Oh, and he just took out Jarrell Clark with Mikey Bats. Well, I was going to do indie notes for Jarrell Clark, but I feel like since he's kind of an enhancement guy here, I shouldn't. No, he deserves it. Give it to him. Oh, my God. Look at this gigantic graphic. That's huge. For ticket and for going to TNAWrestling.com for Bound for Glory weekend. Uh, Okay. Jarrell Clark has been working for um, Ring of Honor and FIP lately. Oh. Back on September 24th, he lost to Roderick Strong in a survival of the fittest first-round match. Pounds! Yeah, shocker. He'll probably do that again. No powerbomb? Yeah. Alpha bomb. Uh, he team draw Clark team with a guy by the name of Jay Fury in a losing effort in the number one contendership in FIP where the ring crew express defeated Eric Stevens and Steve Madison and then Fury and Clark. And then Fury and Clark lost to Stevens and Madison on October 8th, the next day after that three-way. So uh, well, that match was fast. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Monty Brown doesn't mess around, man. Can I just talk in hindsight for a second? I just don't know how you messed this dude up. No, I agree. Bound for Glory should have been Jarrett and Brown. So another interesting thing that we can kind of see is, like, going back on what we've seen is Monty Brown's doing squash matches again to kind of build them back up after he kind of just was doing nothing. No one can... What is this? Who's that? Oh! <gasps> It's the return of the Hoyta maniac, Lance Hoyt. I had no idea who that was for a second. That I, music. Didn't, I, I didn't either. This is ma- he's making his impact on Spike debut. <laughs> they're not hiding the fact that he's got fans in the crowd, which is good. Yeah, they don't oh, they're fighting at Bound for Glory. They are. He just, they just said it sounded like, yeah. Monty Brown's leaving. He usually doesn't back down from a fight. Is it just me or is Monty Brown... I don't know how to word this. He doesn't look as, like, muscular defined as he usually does. Mm. Let me see him again. I thought he was looking pretty jacked still, so hold on. No, he looks jacked, but I'm saying, like, he doesn't look shredded. He's a ticked-off Texan. Come. Oh. Coming bound for glory, you'll forever remember the name Hoyt. He's trying to get the crowd to chant with him. Uh, I see what you're saying, Bob. I see what you're saying. Yeah. He still looks pretty good, but I, I see what you're saying. Is getting Hoyt at. dropping his first name? Is he no longer Lance? Oh, well, I said Lance Hoyt on his nameplate, so. He did. So Larry Zabisco surrounded by security in an interview with Shane Douglas here. Okay. Wait. Can you explain to me why that security guy is staring at a wall? Wait, he's proud to announce something. Hold on. Oh, the Naturals defending the tag team titles against who he considers the number one contenders, America's Uh, Most Wanted, 
next week on Impact, and here comes Raven coming after Larry Zabisco. You mentally deficient. Oh, he's swearing. They're beeping it out. Oh, see, you scream at my title now. You allow Matt Nash to have it. That's bullshit. What about Raven? Oh, Zavisco wants him out, out, out. Wow. I just thought it was funny that like two security guys were staring at a wall. Slamming Saturday Night continues on Spike TV. <gasps> oh my God, there's new Japan footage. It's Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. Against Samoa Joe, dude, it's official. Let's go, baby. Sunday night, October 23rd. Speaking of Jushin Thunder Liger, Bob, his appearance after Bound for Glory on the October 25th spike tapings is in jeopardy due to a scheduling conflict in Japan. They're still awaiting whether he will make TV or not, but it is confirmed for the Samoa Joe match on Bound for Glory. So pretty exciting. David Young doing double duty. Here he comes with Simon Diamond. Slam it Saturday night next week, dude. Samoa Joe's debut is uh, next week on Spike TV. And they did say his Spike TV debut. Yes, they did. They specified. That's good. I mean, I after do, you show a video back to him actually wrestling in TNA, you can't say his first time ever. Right. Uh, here comes Matt Bentley with Tracy. I want one of those hanging up, those TNA signs that are hanging up. Dude, if I could have got one of them. You have too much uh, wrestling I know, stuff. I know, but a logo sign like that would have been sick. Um, one more New Japan note I got. Is Dave reports that apparently the relationship in New Japan may get shaky because TNA is mad that New Japan booked people from CMLL and guys like Mark Jindrak and Matt Morgan at the Tokyo Dome show, but didn't bring anyone in from TNA who they're supposed to be cultivating a relationship with. Okay. Russell can be so petty, man. I know, dude. I know. It's so, so bad. stupid. Oh, you're using people that we don't, you know, we're not associated. Who cares? Dude, this Bound for Glory graphic is way too fucking big. It's way too big, dude. It literally takes up half the screen. David Young goes right after Matt Bentley. Irish whip, ducks the clothesline. David Young comes back, gets hit with a spinning heel kick. That's okay um, that I don't have a TNA sign because I got a Bound for Glory sign from the very first show. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty freaking cool. I feel like this is a really random pairing for a match. David it Young is. and Matt Bentley. Ooh, One of them is X Division and the other guy is in a Jobber tag team. Who already wrestled technically once tonight. Yeah, but we did not see that. Well, we didn't see that. But... Back suplex. Uh, well, of course, Matt Bentley is going to be in the Ultimate X match at Bound for Glory. Um, 
the house. Does it look like David Young is getting out of shape again? Mm-hmm. Hey, I can tell him. Yeah. Monty Brown, you know, maybe. David Young, kind of. No, I mean, Monty Brown still is, like, a big guy. I'm just saying, he wasn't, like, shredded to find. I mean this with all due respect. I can't believe David Young is still here. I mean, wasn't yeah. he on, like, the first show? Yeah, well, he was or on second. the first... He- yeah, first few there because it was with Bobcat. Bobcat, dude. Yeah, sweet neckbreaker. And then he also lost, you know, Somebody. 93 Ooh. matches or whatever in a row. Yeah. Matt Bentley climbing to the top after that suplex. Let's see. Dropping an elbow on David I mean, Jones. He's got to do what Shawn Michaels does when he does like the. Simon Diamond up on the apron, but he got knocked off by Bentley. Oh. David Young tried to take advantage. He gets pushed into his manager. A little flapjack. I think it's pretty clear that these guys have different styles. Oh, uh, yeah. Super kick by Matt Bentley. Because Matt Bentley usually looks a lot better than I think he just did in that match, and he just got the pin. And here comes Petey Williams going on an attack. Canadian Destroyer. He's not going to hit that, is he? Oh. Is Chris Saban going to come out? Oh, that's another thing that happened last week. We didn't really mention much. Is they, like, chased each other off in a match. Yeah. Uh-oh. He's not going to Canadian Destroyer, Tracy. Oh, my God. He's looking at Tracy like, I'm going to hit her with a no, Canadian Destroyer. Not. Yeah, do no, he's not. Don't do it, PD. That'd be so sick. The Hall of Famer. Yeah, don't do it. Please don't do it, PD. But actually, it'd be kind of cool if she took a Canadian destroyer. I'd give her. Oh, oh, he's. Oh, that's sexual harassment. He just kissed her. Um, Yeah. Oh, nice left hand slap. (laughs) The open hand slap. No fucking way, dude. He's. Oh my god. He's not doing it. Okay. Yeah, okay, he's feet. exposing her bum. He's taking too long. Oh, throws her down. And here comes Chris Sabin. Okay, that was about to get really weird, dude. She had little biker shorts on, just so everyone knows it wasn't her bare Yeah, ass. she was like to be. But he purposely lifted her dress up. Yeah. You can tell that they're much more comfortable doing stuff on Spike than they were before because we've never, no, ever seen that. And if we did see that, she's wearing full shorts, pants, even. Pant, yeah. I mean, on FSN, dude, the blood, um, the butt cheeks. Of course, still to come here tonight, the Iron Man Challenge. Rhino and Sabu, pretty uh, big. I would say I would consider that a big match to have on Impact. That's a big main event. Little AJ Styles promo here. Well, what do I got for you, Father AJ Styles thing? Well, he wrestled this guy before. Uh, you mentioned uh, Full Impact Pro earlier. Well, Sean Waltman worked for them over the weekend doing an unadvertised match on October 7th in Crystal River, Florida, beating Jimmy Rave 
And then he did another one. But anyways, uh, Dave mentioned that last time, last week. Uh, well, his it, Dave's impression of this is that he did the shows partially to get the word back out that he's fine, clear-headed, and he could still work the TNA to get the TNA booking team and office back interested in him. Now, as of now, there's still no interest in him and the way he knows showed the last pay-per-view. Uh, but the reports we got is that he worked hard and was fine in the ring, nothing spectacular, but totally professional. Well, I'm glad he's, you know. Okay, we got another video package, this time about the NWA taking champions the Naturals. Youth, heart, guts, and determination. Oh, man, she's just such a goof. <laughs> And next week, AMW against. I feel uh, like I. I feel like a, I would have put that amount for glory. I agree. The first, the first title match though, on Spike. Oh wow! So. Don West is feeling a little relaxed. He's got two buttons undone on that. I match. was <laughs> just thinking that. <laughs> He's feeling a little relaxed here on Spike TV. Yeah, yeah. Showing some chest there. Wait, we're showing a video at a funeral home in West Orlando. Dobbs Funeral Home. Kevin Dunn, Paul H. I saw it. Oh my God. <gasps> Dude, I forgot about this. Holy shit. It's the Team 3D funeral, guys. They're already holding a funeral. Team, Team Canada. Canada's there crying. Jim Mitchell's um, reading the eulogy. Gail Kim and Jeff Jarrett are crying. Abyss is standing in the corner. And AMW's drinking beer. I can't say what he's saying because he's talking... In very weird ways. He, he's talking like Raven does. Yeah, yeah. Commend him, brother. Amen, James Storm yells. He goes, Chris, has he been drinking again? This is a funeral. I gotta piss. Hurry up, I though. Gotta piss. Okay, he's turning over to America's Most Wanted. As he also has a Team 3D shirt he's crying into. <sighs> Praise the Lord. And they lay it next to the bloody picture of Devon. T- oh my god, he's put the t-shirt thing. $12.99, $8.99, and now they're $7.99. You could buy a Team 3D shirt. It looks so peaceful. And there's the bloody picture of uh, Brother Ray as Gail Kim is blowing bubblegum. If it wasn't for America's Most Wanted, <laughs> Team 3D would still be with us. <laughs> Eric Green was sleeping. Dude, look at the handlebar mustache on Chris Harris. I love it. That's how you know you're a heel. Yeah. He's always he's always been clean shaven. Now he's got a handlebar mustache. <laughs> the best crushed the tissue box. America's most wanted have aligned themselves with Jeff Jarrett, who keeps grabbing tissues. 
Oh, they're going to shed light on that right now. First, the money. <laughs> For the money. For the power. Third, most important. To show teams like 3D that they can't come into TNA and take our spot. He goes, look at them. Look at this. And he takes the bloody picture of Devon again. No one has ever laid out Team 3D like this. James Storm says that he hears dead people. Did you hear that? Eric Young says, oh, I think this place is haunted. Is this the beginning of, like, goofy Eric Young? I might be. <laughs> James Storm is hearing the cast and he goes, Devon, get the... <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're already dead. They don't need another lawsuit. Oh, we're coming back the day after Bound for Glory for another burial. Showtime, how many suits you have? Oh, the next burial is Kevin Nash. And here they go, leaving arm in arm. Bob. Oh my god, oh my god, James Storm is peeing in the casket. He dropped his pants. Oh my gosh. Not in the casket. I gotta piss. Coming Kevin. soon, Kevin Nash. I gotta say, it's kind of weird seeing Team Canada and AMW like friends. Oh yeah. Was that not one of the best segments we've ever seen that in TNA's history so far? That was pretty good. That was incredible. Yeah. If you've not seen that, go to YouTube right now and type in the Team 3D funeral. Oh, is it on there? I'm almost positive it is. It's, and it's, it's got, if someone else had to post it, if they didn't. I mean, right. that's phenomenal. Cebu is with a cool-ass entrance here as we're about to go to commercial. And we're back as Rhino's going to make his entrance. Let's see if there's any... Wow. I just like can't believe how good that just was. <laughs> the Man Beast Rhino just ran into the ring. All right. So, um, Sabu has a few indie notes here. We haven't seen him since Unbreakable, which was uh, over a month ago. In terms of in the ring. So back on September 16th at the Hardcore Homecoming show in Cleveland, Ohio, Shane Douglas defeated Jerry Lynn and Sabu. And then the next night, Sabu defeated Sandman in Monica, Pennsylvania. The Stairway to Hell match. And then on October 1st, Sabu defeated Kazarian for BTW in Modesto, California. And then let's see about Mr. Rido. He's usually been busy on the indies. We are in. Crouch chain for Sabu is Rhino's wailing on his head here. Let's see here. Uh, okay, 
So you were mentioning that Australia tour. Well, Rhino was on that, as you mentioned. So back on October 5th, Rhino defeated Jeff Jarrett to win the vacant WSW heavyweight title. And then two days later, he retained that title against Jeff Jarrett. And then on October 8th, Jeff Jarrett defeated Rhino for the WSW heavyweight title. Whoa! Huge dive by uh, Sabu, taking out Rhino on the floor. Subersault dive. Look at Rhino being a pro and catching Sabu. What a good guy. If only everybody could do that for Sabu, maybe he'd have a longer career. Well, he's got a chair, but so does Rhino. Now they're doing chair wars. (laughs) (laughs) He knocks the chair to Sabu's hand and then wails on him. Oh, man. Now, of course, this is typing up the Monsters Ball match. No food, no water, no light of the day. For 24 hours before the match. It's one of my favorites. And if I remember correctly, this monster's ball is pretty good. Well, I'm sure it is. Just a little teaser. I'm pretty sure I remember it being pretty fucking good. Spoiler alert. Rhino laid out the chairs there on the ground. He's climbing to the middle rope. He's holding Sabu. Is he going for a... The rhino driver off the middle rope? Oh, my God. He's not about to hit it. Okay. Sabu slipped out. He almost hit it. Holy shit. Wow. Well, springboard hurricane rhino landed on the chairs. That was freaking awesome. Why does Andrew Thomas lift his entire body up on each count? (laughs) Good question. How is Sabu still doing some pretty cool shit in 2005? There's Abyss, and Sabu whips a chair with his head. Gore! Well, I should do that. He does, dude. He almost stands up when he's counting. It's weird. Rhino wins, but Abyss is coming in the ring. Oh, shit. He's attacking Rhino. Were they just tag team partners? Well, they were just buddies, but... They're fighting in, like, two weeks, so... Yeah, you're right. If there's a monster's ball, then I guess they do hate each other. Belly-to-belly suplex. He's going for the gore. Nope, Abyss gets a big boot. Where's Jeff Hardy? Oh. Oh. No way. We're about to dump thumbtacks out on Spike TV just to tease the Monster Ball match. Yeah, dude. Man, he's going pretty slow because there he is. There's Jeff Hardy. All four competitors. Jeff Hardy off the rope, comes back, kicks Abyss in the face, comes off the rope, clotheslines the monster outside of the ring, and then Rhino goes right after Jeff Hardy. <laughs> oh, Sabu just threw a chair right at Rhino's face. Look at they're all getting banged in the ring. They're all doing their taunts to each other. Yeah. Oh, here comes a whole bunch of security. That's all of Larry's Abyssal security. So now Raven can go after him. 
Now here's the thing for continuity. You're right. He should be able to get back in the building. Coming up next, the Iron Man challenge. Well, we're about to go to a commercial comeback, and then I will tell you a note. I got two more. Oh, it's just a highlight. Perfect. Um, so it says the night before Monday Night Raw started. I don't know which Raw we're talking about, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Jerry Lawler and Kip James wrestle each other on an indie show, um, which apparently they played off a TNA versus WWE and Spike versus USA in the mic work with James playing heel since Lawler at this stage is uh, the better babyface. Uh, James pointed out, uh, people should watch Spike every Monday night to see Lance Hoyt, P.D. Williams, and Monty Brown. All of those whose names got good reactions. And then That's he... Like Kip went with that direction? Yeah. And then... Um, sorry, I lost it. And then he finished by saying that you could see Jeff Jarrett and people booed a lot. Uh, Lawler, then on USA, you could see Kurt Angle, Steve Austin, John Cena, Triple H, who, of course, got... Um, Pretty good reaction. Cena and Triple H got a little bit booed there, though. But um, the psychology of doing this is that to expect the face Lawler to get his biggest cheers from the last names. So they must have been surprised that people were booing John Cena and Triple H. But uh, And that's, of course, why Kip said Jeff Jarrett last, because he knew people were going to boo it. Right. Oh, what was that six-man they just said for next week? I don't know. Lance Hoyt's in it, though. Lance Hoyt and Jeff Hardy, I saw. Here comes Christopher Daniels. Holy the self-proclaimed Mr. TNA. If you're following along, by the way, we're at 28 minutes and 20 seconds. Well, guess what? Daniels has uh, quite a bit of indie notes here. Okay. So back on October 1st, Daniels defeated Azriel and Matt Seidel at Ring of Honor's Joe versus Kobashi in New York City. And then the next night, in Philadelphia, Daniels defeated Jimmy Yang. And then Daniels was also part of that WSW tour um, that you've mentioned. October 5th in a 30-minute Ironman match, in match one of a best-of-three series, AJ Styles defeated Daniels one fall to nothing. October 7th, uh, match two, Daniels defeated Styles to tie it up 1-1. October 8th, it was that mixed tag match where AJ and Gail Kim defeated Daniels and Nidia. And then the best of three, series match three, AJ defeated Daniels to win two to one. Um, we have the 15-minute timer has started. It's kind of like the Fox box, but it's not. Say, yeah. And um, Shark Boy is the first opponent that Styles has chosen. It's quite the decision. But you know what? Sharkboy does have a pinfall victory over Christopher Daniels very recently. Yes, he does. Uh, so, the final one for Christopher Daniels. Oh, sorry. You're fine. I didn't realize that there was one more. Uh, Scorpio Sky, SCU, defeated Christopher Daniels for Pro Wrestling Grills straight to DVD in Los Angeles, California. At this point in time, it probably deserved to be straight to DVD. If the last PWG match we watched was any indication. Yeah. Well, I might as well give you my final note of the show. Before oh, Daniel this still has that thing around his neck. Oh, yeah, he does. I don't like uh, that because this is a separate taping. Fan. He should not have that. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, my final note of the night, Dixie Carter did an interview with Scott Williams um, regarding not really opening the checkbook for Foley. She said, quote, we thought we had him. We thought we had a deal negotiated, but if Vince chooses, he can pretty much one-up anybody if he really wants them. 
It's not going to, or sorry, it's going to come down to someone making a decision from the heart versus the head. Someone's going to have to say, this is the kind of product I want to be involved in, and it may not be about the money. So, Angel's Wings and Shark Boy, I'm assuming that's it, but that's a three. Yeah, so she uh, seemed very disappointed that McFoley did not make the decision to come to TNA yet. Right. Well, the thing with what she just said there, I mean, Panda Energy is like a billion dollar company. So they probably could have. Got... So I want to point out here, Bob, the timer is still ticking down. And oh, here we go. OK, so Sanjay Dutt is coming out. Styles keeps coming out with each person like this is the next one. So who do, who would he pick after this? We have Sharkboy and Sanjay Dutt. Maybe Saban. Saban, right? Or J- Joe? Even no, they it, said next week. They said next yeah, week. Yeah, well, you never know. Manswerve. No, it's going to be next week. Jushin Liger. Jushin Thunder Liger. My favorite part Amazing about the Red, Jushin, maybe. Amazing Red would be cool. My favorite thing about the Jushin Liger video they showed is that it was, I mean, maybe it was more popular at this time, and I wasn't sure I'd have to ask our friend Austin Skinner. He would know more than I would. But it was only in his black gear. And obviously, yeah. like, Liger's more famous gear, like, in WCW and such, was, like, yeah. the red. red. Red and white, I should say, not just red, because that's a different one. But No, when, I was, when that video was playing, that's the first thing I thought of. Like, why isn't he wearing his... Why are they showing him in his traditional... I think it's pretty sick they got some New Japan footage to show to hype it up, though. I mean, that's that is a nice yeah. touch. Dutt is on fire here, but Daniels just caught him, and Hurricane rounded the floor... Maybe it'll be Loki. Yeah, right. We haven't seen him since, what, 2003? Oh, my God. Has it been that long? I think, at least. Holy shit. Oh, boy. What's Dot about to do? Moonsault to the floor, taking out Daniels. That could have ended badly, but he hit it perfectly. Mm, The replay was okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We will see more of this match when we return. And we return and Sanjay Dutt has Daniels in an octopus stretch. How much time? Is, it, is that blocking the time? The yes, 14? the TV 14 is in fact blocking the time. Seven minutes, 30 seconds left. So Daniels has to beat potentially three guys in 15 minutes. Ooh. I think he's got to beat him, right? It wasn't like an outlast them, I don't think. Oh, he just told him a fucking spot. Daniels did. Oh, running me into the corner. Daniels stomping Sanjay Dutt in the corner. This one's not as easy as Shark Boy, is it, Christopher Daniels? A scoop and a slam. We would have so been going to the fan event, dude, the day before. I'm not. Four hours early. 
And then, of course, the first 30 minutes of our three-and-a-half-hour pay-per-view is free. You would be telling me how it went. I would not be going there. You're, such... You're a pain in the ass. Yeah, Bob, are you ready for three-and-a-half hours of Bound for Glory on October 23rd? Well, it's a big show, so... It is. It's good. I think it's going to be exciting. Who is AJ Styles going to bring out? Well, I'm confused. They're they're basically guaranteed guaranteed there'll be a third person. But if Daniels doesn't win, wouldn't that make it null and void? Who could it be? Oh, what if it's Kazarian? Ah, that'd be sick. That would be good. That'd be interesting. Or it could be former NWA tag team champion Cassie Ryan. It could be. Mm-hmm. Almost won the NWA tag team titles out of the NWA's 57th anniversary show. <laughs> Five minutes remain. Oh, nice move. Wow. It's like a flipping... Slingshot, somersault, hurricane rana. Yeah, it was nuts. The original player from the Himalaya here. Back body drop on Daniels. I have a feeling this part's going to end very abruptly in a minute. I just got this weird feeling. But uh, Dutt's really holding his own against the former X-Division champion. Oh, look, he's dancing up on the rope. He calls it the sprinkler. Running back elbow. You go do it. Oh. Oh, 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 he's doing the sprinkler. He drops an elbow. We're under four minutes now of the match remaining. That's not the show. That's the match. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Nope, Tilt-A-Whirl, DDT. Send you over the cover. One, two. No, Daniel's kicking out. Two. He almost won it, but he didn't. <laughs> Time is running out for you to get a ticket. Uh-oh. Hindu Three and a half minutes. Oh, my God. Misses the Hindu oh, press. Comes back. Daniels throws oh. him into the post. Step up in Seguri by Daniels. And, uh, there you go. Angels wing. See you later. There we go. That's got to be it. One, two, three. And that's it. Who is going to be the third man? They have under three minutes, and the timer mysteriously disappears. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sting. Okay. Wait, he's on the microphone. Two down, one to go. AJ Styles, hurry up. Bring the next victim out. <gasps> what? Introducing the third and final competitor, and whose music is that, Bob? It's AJ Styles, and he's not in his ring gear. He's in the same outfit he just brought everyone out in. 
Yeah. Jeans and a cutoff t-shirt. Okay. Is he gonna beat fucking Daniels in two minutes? Dude. In regular on. clothing. No, look at look at Daniels is running around. Take it, take it, take it count out. Oh shit, he just whipped the chair style's face, dude. Clothesline. Oh, whip styles against the mouse of the south energy drink sign at the curd rail. Yikes. Which I would not be advertising if he's not coming to their shows anymore. He was just on Raw, apparently. Minute and a half mark as Daniels whips AJ Styles into the corner. Little high knee in the corner. Snap there. So yeah, if I was Daniels, I would just leave the ring. He wants to beat him. Under a minute, fifty-seven seconds left. Scooping a slam at Daniels. Going for another cover. Fifty seconds remain. He, Daniel says it's time to finish it off. He's going for Daniel swings. When you do the pump in motion before, you know you ain't getting it in. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's not hitting it. Uh oh. AJ, a couple right hands. Oh, they're trading punches. Under 30 seconds now. Irish whip comes back. Styles slips underneath. Huge clothesline taking down Daniel's back elbow. You got a clothesline and a back elbow. 12. Maybe he's not going to be there. He's just not going to get the 15 minutes. Five, four, three. Flying four by Styles. He trips. And oh, there you I go. I think he fucked up. No, I think I think he was supposed to. You think he was supposed to fuck up? I do. I think he was supposed to fuck that up. Like he slipped up just at the last second. Yeah, I think he was on purpose. So does that count as a win because he survived the 15 minutes? I would assume so. I'll do just that. Why was he acting like as if we didn't already know? I, okay, happen. I was just about to ask you, did I slip earlier? Or I thought we already knew. We definitely did. No, we knew. They've already said this. So it wasn't any kind of surprise. South takes off his shirt, and we go off the air. All right. Well, I mean, that was solid. Um, probably the highlight of the show for me was the segment of Team 3D's funeral. Oh, dude. I mean, that's like an all-timer. Uh, I agree. That's a thumbs-up episode of Impact, I would say. Uh, I thought it was really good. That segment, dude, I like, I forgot that that was a thing. And it was just as good um, this time as it was the last time I saw it, which I don't even know when it was. So, that big, big highlight for me. 
I honestly thought that that funeral thing was much later. I guess I must have too, because I, and maybe I just don't remember it being on an episode of Impact. I mean, it makes sense, but I don't know. It was really, really good, though. Very well done. And as far as, like, segments in TNA's history so far, I mean, easily one of the best, if not the best, like, pre-produced segments. Like, it was it was really good. Yeah, so, like, so far. So far. Yeah, so far. So far. Yeah, Although it holds up pretty freaking good. <laughs> I gotta say. That was, that was good. That was a good segment. Um, well, Bob, we have one more week before we head to Bound for Glory, which is pretty insane. And that is the October 22nd edition of Impact. And we already know a couple things that are going on. We have an NWA tag team title match between the Naturals and American Most Wanted. We have Samoa Joe's debut. And we have a big six-man match. So... Are you going to, like, tell us what the... I think they technically announced it, right? Or did they not? No, they definitely they definitely said, like, Lance Hoyt was in it. And... Or did they only tell some people? We'll just say it. Whatever. We'll tell you what the match is. It's a six-man tag team match. AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, and Lance Hoyt going against Abyss, Jeff Jarrett, and Monty Brown. Oh, man. That's huge. That is a, that's a big-time match. That is huge. Wow. Lance Hoyt getting a... Big time spot. Yeah, dude, that's a big spot for him. So, needless to say, next week's Impact before Bound for Glory looks to be an excellent go-home episode. I would have to assume we're going to see Kevin Nash at least one more time, right? Am I crazy to think? I, yeah, I, uh, in some capacity, right? I feel like they got to. I would maybe, maybe this would be a good pre-tape one. Just because, like, his appearances on TV would just be running out and attacking Jarrett for no reason. So if it was, like, a pre-tape, I'd accept that. Sure. But needless to say, dude, I am getting really excited for Bound for Glory. I am, too. I I think it's going to be a really good show. Hopefully. It's getting a little sad, though. We're getting to the end of, like, the first first of every one of these big pay-per-views. You know, I'm a little sad about that. but. well. Oh, yeah, okay. Bob is falling asleep on us. Hey, when you're a type 2 diabetic, you get tired. Oh, geez. Here he's, he just broke the news to you guys. Yep, recently found out type 2 diabetic. My life is over. He's completely fucked up his life. I blame my father. I run through my family. He's a piece of shit. So, has nothing to do with my diet and what I was doing in my life. Nope. 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 Definitely not. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Bound for Glory coming up October 23rd. Never, never, never had a shot. I was doomed. Oh my God. As soon as I was born. Oh my God. But yeah, all right. Uh, we have one more episode of Impact and then it's Bound for Glory. Can right. Kevin Nash in his young career win the NWA World Title? We'll find out in two weeks. So join us as we continue to relive some classic TNA wrestling. Until next week, for Dallas Griffin, I am Bob Valley Jr. This has been the TNA Cross Line Podcast.